0: Good evening everyone, we continue the series that we started, what is it, the fourth one today, right? The fourth? The fourth one. Pirkei Avot. And the last week we finished uh, with Rabban Gamliel saying, "Aulam Umed al-Adin shalom. The three different foundations of the world are the judgment, the truth, and the peace. And today we're starting uh, chapter two. And uh, it starts with the Altogether we have six chapters In Pirkei Avot, six Altogether We finished one of them And we're starting the second one Rebi, the President of Israel This is what he says adam." What's the right way for a person to live According to it What's the The honest way With integrity That a person should live by So everything that brings glory to the person, and actually what we say, Kiddush Hashem, and brings Tif Eret, which means everyone that sees getting impressed. And also he says that a person has to be very careful to keep all the mitzvot, not only the mitzvot that are very important and big. Some mitzvot a person says, ah, that's not so important. As long as I keep Shabbos, Hey, I learned Torah, I put fill in you know, I dove in you know. uh, But this little mitzvot I don't have patience for it So Rabbi says He wrote the Mishnah He knows what he's talking about He said I have to be careful with every mitzvah Kala kevachamura Even a small light mitzvah Because we do not know The reward of every mitzvah Of course we know Shabbos is more important Than some other mitzvot We know it We also see in the Torah what are the punishments for certain sins. We know that. But we do not know, in relation to the efforts, maybe some of this little mitzvot, the reward is huge for it. Hashem didn't tell us all the rewards and all the punishments. Why? Just because He didn't want us to sit and calculate which one to do and which one not to do. Look at three things and it will save you from the sins. You should always know what's above you. There's an eye who watches over you, and there's a he who listens to you, and everything you do is been registered in the book of God. I once told you the story, and I know the story. I mean, it's, it has an impact of many people. It, it, the people have only knew that Hashem is watching them every second and records them. Obviously, a person wouldn't do ninety-nine percent of the things he does. He wouldn't do, right? Even in hidden rooms, like there's a lacha to be modest in a bathroom. How a person take off his pants? How he behaves in a bathroom? Uh, you know, a person think, ah, at the bathroom? Who watch me in the bathroom? Even here, I have to be modest. Yeah, modesty. It's not only between you and people. It's, it shows your foundation, who you are. Are you a rotten person or you a holy person? A holy person, he will be alone in the island, nobody watches him. He will still always be, always be modest. He will never go naked, no shirt. He will never agree, people to take pictures of him, like the President of the United States walking in the beach without his shirt. This is people without a class. They don't have class, but the Chacham has class. Every Jew has to get to, to, get to this level. And So I once told a story uh, of Rabbi Amnon Nitzchak. He said that story, that it happens to him. He said that one time he came from Shul on Friday night, he lives in Nebrak, in a building, and there's an intercom. And you know the intercom in Israel, for, for every apartment you have a button. And when people buzz, you have to pick up the phone in the apartment, ask who it is, and then you press the button and it lets them in. So if you don't hang up the phone, people in the lobby would continue to hear what's happening in your apartment because once you pick up the phone that's it. they hear everything, it's a two way radio so one of his kids bussed someone in and left the phone hanging on the wire so when he came from shul as he walking into the place what does he hear? (laughs) all the screaming of the kids, his wife in the house they all you know (laughs) so right away he ran quickly to the house what's going on here? shake it now they cannot hang up the phone because it's Shabbos You cannot hang up the phone so now you say the whole Shabbos everyone there was on mute like this everyone, why? everybody is listening just when a person realize that everything I say has been recorded right away it changes his entire behavior completely and that's one story that happens to him then there is another story One person owned a supermarket, and the supermarket has 10 aisles, and 10 employees. And uh, the the supermarket was sold to to a new buyer, and when the new buyer bought the supermarket, first thing he did, he put cameras in the aisles, one above the register, in each aisle in the back, right away within an hour, nine of the employees quit, only one left. So before they got paid for the last paycheck he asked them, why are you quitting? I'm going to be a good boss I'll be even better than the other one Why are you not giving me a chance? He said, no, no, it's nothing personal It's not about you So he asked the first one, why are you quitting? He said, listen, I have a habit I like to pick my nose and eat my boogies (laughs) (laughs) Now you put me a camera in my face I'm not interested, the whole world will see what I do So I have to quit okay, I understand, <laughs> goodbye <laughs> then the next one comes and say, listen, you know, I'm addicted to chocolate so every time nobody was looking, I take a bar, chocolate bar I open it, I eat a little bit and I put it back on the shelf every day a few chocolates like these, you know so now I have a camera, I cannot steal anymore I say goodbye the next one say, listen, I'm very tired during lunch, I go in the back I, sit, I sleep on the bags over there He said, okay, goodbye." Everyone had an excuse. So then he said to the one who left, why you didn't go? He said, why should I go? I behave 100% like the rules. I don't do anything wrong. So for me, it's good that you put camera. Now you can see how good I am. Nothing to hide. He told him, you are the manager. Now you hire, you decide everything. I need somebody like you here. This is us, we, we, every day of your life you forget that it's a camera. If somebody comes and follows you with a video camera one hour in the street, one hour, you see, check, one hour without the camera, one hour with the camera, and you see what a tzaddik you are in front of the camera. So this is what the Pirkei would say, we have to remind ourselves every morning, maybe we should put it in the shuls, that everybody on the way out will remember, there's an eye who watch over you, everything has been recorded. You cannot escape anything. I once told a story that uh, you know a, a person went to make a scene, and a guy was running by, and the guy said to the Jew, "How are you doing?" And now the Jew, "No, the, the guy just saw, saw me. If I'll make the scene, tomorrow will be over the news, then he, he knows it's me, even though he will never see me again." but let's see if I break the glass uh, of a car and steal something from inside just the fact that that guy saw him it's embarrassing so he doesn't do it, he said, okay I'll come next week that he won't, he won't nobody will see me, and next week he comes to make a scene there is a there is a little boy standing over there and staring at him yeah maybe you can move a little bit inside so they can sit so Good. So, the little boy is staring at him, the little boy, and what do you see? He cannot make the scene in front of the little boy. He cannot make the scenes in front of the little boy. Why? It's embarrassing. The little boy is staring at me. How can I do it? The next time he comes to make a scene, there's a dog. There's a dog staring at him. So in front of the dog, he's thinking, should I do it, should I not do it? I try to push the dog away, but the dog doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> Same thing with the little boy. Let's try to give him candy, throw the candy over there, maybe it will go. He doesn't want to move. So in the end, he, he did not commit the sin. So after 120 years, when a person died, he comes in front of Hashem, his trial begins, one-year trial. It's exhausting, one-year trial. But it's not a regular trial like here. Here, even though the police has evidence against you, and they have all kinds of things against you, they still don't know 90% of what you really do. They only know a little bit. They can't catch everything. Over there, everything is going to be discovered. So nothing you can hide. You cannot get away with 20% of what you did. Nothing. 100% you see everything in details. Even the thoughts, what brought you to that. What's the cause that you became a thief? What's the cause that you're making all kinds of crimes? It's, you will see, you will understand. You know, uh, or, uh, one guy, he asks a question. He say, you know, the, the Gemara says that there are three questions in a trial of a person. The trial is one year. That's why we say Kaddish for one year on the deceased people because they're standing in a trial. We try to help them out. But how does the trial start? First question did you set up daily times to learn Torah? That's first question. So one Jew asked to the Rabbi, Rabbi, I understand you take a religious person that didn't learn enough Torah. You ask him, first question, why didn't you learn Torah like you should have been? You ask him that, because he knows the importance of the Torah. He did not do it. He's guilty. But somebody like Ben-Gurion, the Prime Minister, this was in the time of Ben-Gurion, so he asked this question, why are you going to ask this communist that he hates the Torah so much and he hates the religion so much? Ask him, why did you cut the peos from the Yemenites that came from Yaman as soon as they learned from the plan you forced them to become goyim? Ask him, why did you eat worms and shrimps? Ask him, why did you be mechalel Shabbat? This, ask him. Why are you asking him why did not learn Torah every day? <laughs> Torah, what does he know about Torah, this guy? So what's the answer? We see in the Torah that this this is a question to every Jew regardless where he is from or where he what does he know, what he doesn't know it's always the first question to everybody which means everyone is guilty of it that's why the trial begins with this so the answer is why Hashem will ask him this question why? Because if he would learn Torah he wouldn't become the communist anti-Torah that he became Someone who learns Torah every day cannot take a Jew and cut his parrot, for sure. Somebody who learns Torah every day cannot put shrimps in his mouth. If this will learn Mosar and Torah every day, he wouldn't become who he is. Or the same thing with the murderer. If the murderer would learn Torah, he wouldn't be a murderer. That's why you have to ask him, why didn't you learn Torah? Because this is the source of all the problems. So, a person did not make the sin in front of the dog. He comes after 120 20 years to Hashem in his trial, and Hashem will ask him one question about it. Am I worse than a dog in your eyes that in front of the dog you could not make the scene but in front of me you're making every second a new scene? What's going on here? The dog is more important than me? From him you're embarrassed, from me you're not embarrassed? Where is a, a person, where is he going to hide? Where is he going to hide? When I when he sees such a thing, wow, what a fool I am. But by then it will be too late. As long as we breathe, we can correct. But the soul goes out of the body, he realizes right away what went wrong. But it's too late, it cannot be corrected anymore. So <clears throat> So the Tana, Rabbi Udana finish this first Mishnah of chapter two. Remember everything has been registered. As we continue, his son, Rabban Gamliel, which was also the president, they're all grandchildren of David Amelech, King David. This family, Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel, then there's another Rabban Gamliel, there's another Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel, then is Rabbi Udar Nasi. All these holy people, they're all grandchildren of David Amelech, and from that family the Mashiach will come. We do not know. Maybe we are their descendants. The Mashiach has to be from the descendants of David Amelech. So this is what he says: Yafei Talmud Torah in Derech Eretz. Talmud Torah has to go together with manners, manners, and living in a in a correct style, which means that when you drive on a highway, you have to drive like a human being, like like an animal. When you talk, when you walk, how you behave with people in a business, in your stores. A customer gets you angry how you handle the situation, it's not enough just to be a robot, putting tefillin like a robot, eating, eating chulen, sleeping 10 hours in Shabbos, and think I'm, I'm the tzaddik of the world. No. <laughs> Who are you? What are you? So it says the Torah has to go together with derech Eretz. And a person has to put a lot of efforts in it, in the Torah, but just as much in manners to become a decent human being. And if a person puts his efforts there, it will eliminate his sins. And a Torah, a person that learns Torah, and doesn't have some kind of a profession or a job, that he makes parnasa from, Sofer, he writes Sefer Torah, Tfilin, mezuzot, Shochet, he has a job, he's teaching kids, something, not only just... It's, of course, it's very important that the person will learn Torah all his life. But ordinary people, average people, most of the people in the world, they need also something to be busy with. So it says, if you do it, if you do it, if you work, you also have some work that you work with it, it's going to be more blessed, your Torah. It's always a dream of every Jew should be, that not only I'm going to be able to learn all my life Torah, that I'll be able to have my own parnasah, that I can support my family without knocking on people's doors and beg them for food. Right? Today, you should know that the world is a little bit different than what it used to be. Not a little, a lot. In the time of the Rambam, 850 years ago, the Rambam wrote in his... Uh, commentaries on the on, uh, Pirkei Avot, Avot de Rabbi Natan, the Rambam writes over there, what is going on, he asks. who would ever think that the Talmidei Chachamim, the, the Torah scholars, the Torah scholars would dare to take money from the people for their own personal needs, not talking for the synagogue or for, for their activities, that's not what we're talking about, he's talking from their own pocket, how can it be such a thing? We have hachamim here that the wealthy people are begging them, begging them, let me give you money, I want to be a part of your schuyot, your merits. And none of them agree, they all refuse. But you see today, that all the Talmud the chachamim, most of them that learns, somebody sponsored them, so the world is different, why? In the time of the Rambam, life was very very simple. You want a house, you work three, four days, you have a house. You don't have to work 30 years for that. Why? You take pieces of wood, you cut, you put it together, you put tiles, you paint a little bit, finish. Three, four days you build a house. No expenses. You get some friends, volunteers, they come, they help you. I don't have to tell you how their houses used to look. You know, I just come, I just come from Florida. I was in a very, very expensive neighborhood. Perhaps I've been in so many places... I don't remember seeing such a fancy place ever, whenever I went. Like what? Like, what? like, 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 a, like a private neighborhood. It cost $75,000 just to apply to live there. <laughs> just so you understand what we're talking about. And $10,000 maintenance for the golf, for the spa, for the... You know, I mean, everywhere you go, you see every grass you go, you see weeds, right? <laughs> miles of grass over there not one weed that shows you how much money they put to keep the grass like a, it looks like Persian rugs <laughs> you should see how, how the place looks like how much they put into this world that's <laughs> <it's> funny so <laughs> why Persian rugs? huh? why Persian rugs? you have any better rugs? I <laughs> Persian <laughs> I offended you ok Bukhari rugs <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> <laughs> that's it uh, what the Persians deserve credit we got to give it to them they have speciality? you don't know? no yeah, anyway the Persians, the like Gemara said the Persians are also modest people they're also modest I don't know today if it's the same case but that's how it was then so <laughs> so anyway yeah. so anyway so over there an average person if he wants to buy a house in that neighborhood where I was, he probably has to walk 300 years an average person no, I'm not, not, not exaggerating 300 years <laughs> it's, you know, you can see big houses and pretty nice houses but still, you know, they, they didn't go crazy but sometimes you see that the person was addicted Every inch in the house is from Italy, and from there, and equipment, and special computer. Nothing is ordinary over there. It has to be unique. It took me three hours to find out how to turn the faucet of the shower on. <laughs> i here, pressing here, all kinds of things. I, said, I, said, I need a course to live here, you know, just to show you what we're talking here about. Anyway, and, and of course, these people, there's no sugar in the house. Let's see, I want to drink, there's no sugar in the house. What about the guests that want sugar? No! Over here, nobody touch sugar. So, what did they drink? Something natural that is sweetened. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so we're not talking, this wasn't the life in the time of the Rambam. Time of the Rambam, a person built himself a house, two, three, four days, and the house is ready. Then, to make a living, It was also very simple. You have some cows, you have some sheep, they give you milk, you make cheese. Once in a while you slaughter a goat, so you have meat. Fish, it's easy. You go to the lake, you catch fish. And, you know, they have tomatoes, cucumbers, eggplants, whatever they need. That's it. Once in a while you have to go to the market and buy some extra. So life was very simple. So there was no reason why someone who wants to learn 15 hours a day Torah needs donations from anyone. Why? go work 2-3 hours a day make a little living, sell your tomatoes sell the milk from your cows a little bit in the market, exchange and that's it so so to think that I'm going to take from somebody money that I can sit all day and learn Torah uh, in the days of the Rambam was something that wasn't recommended, but today it's impossible. If a person wants to support himself, he has to go to work, he won't have time to learn Torah. Maybe an hour a day. It will never be a Chacham. That's one problem. Second problem, which is the main problem, is that the world was a clean place. If a person in the time of the Rambam wanted to go to the market to work, he would work there the whole year, and he would never see, never see a not modest woman, not Jew, not a Goya. Everyone was covered. The women didn't speak to the men on the street. It wasn't what you see today. Today a person wants to go make a living. Where is he going to work? In an office in Manhattan, in 47th Street, and 5th Avenue, in an auction. whatever he goes, it's Dom Amora. <laughs> really. If a person had enough money, he wouldn't have to leave his house for the rest of his life, if he was smart. This world is dangerous, full of bombs on the street. People need to live, so they go to bad places to make a living. So today, if you want to be a Chacham, you cannot go to these places. If you go to these places, it will take away all your holiness. You understand what we're talking here about, right? The person learns two or three days, is full of holiness, then he goes to a place, Shemi Shemirachem, and over there, he loses everything he learned. So what is it like? What is it like... <coughs> What is it like? A person that wants to heat up water, he has the stove on, he puts the water on for one minute, and takes it off. Puts it on, take it off. Put it on all day like this. The water will boil. But if a person put it 10 minutes straight, it boils. So what we see here, if a person learn and go out to Manhattan, learn, go to Manhattan, learn, go to Manhattan, when will he reach holiness? When? When? <laughs> yeah, and it's like putting the fire on and off, on and off, all his life. The end of his life is never reach holiness, right? Because what's going on in the streets, especially in the summer time? That's why I know some people that have glasses. They're lucky, because when they walk in the street, they take off their glasses. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they hit a pole on the street, like you know, fine. But like this, they see people, but they don't see any anything. They cannot focus. They watch their eyes. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. So it says like this. Now it's a very interesting thing. When you ask, let's see, you went to a lecture, and there's a rabbi who makes the people, the audience, religious. they secular. He proves to them, he teaches them, he gives them Musar, and you see, they become Shomer Shabbos. Who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? Yeah. The rabbi, right? The rabbi, he gets the credit. He made this guy religious, he made that girl religious, that family, that's the way it is. But what's the secret here? Psh, amazing, amazing. Who really does the most to that person that he was able to become religious? Who helped him the most? His parents and grand-grand-grandparents, all his dynasty. They are the ones who, thanks to them, he has the merit to become religious. Where does it say it? Listen, good. It says like this. And those of you who are Mezake Arabim, you're working with the public, right? You have to work with them for the sake of heaven, not to get anything in return from them. Serve, dedicate your time, sacrifice yourself for the public, for the sake of heaven, to make Hashem happy. No? Very nice. What makes, What's going to help the people? The z'chut, the merit of their dynasty, their parents and grand-grandparents. Why? If they had in their descendants righteous people, this righteousness will never be cancelled. It stays forever. And you, who are you? The ones who make them religious, supposedly... I'm going to give you a huge reward to the speakers and those who help the speakers financially. I'm giving you a huge reward like you did it. I counted like you really saved him, like you saved his soul, like you made him born. But the truth is, the credit goes to his grand-grand-grandfather. You understand? You know, one rabbi, one assistant of a rabbi in Yerushalayim, goes every day in a bus from Nebrak Brak to Yerushalayim. Every day. And, you know, all, all, the whole bus is almost religious people. You have three, four, not religious, but every morning, same hour, same, same thing. So one rabbi is taking gemara, and is learning with another one in a bus why to waste an hour every morning so they learned then one other guy asked if he can bring a Gemara tomorrow and join them so the rabbi said sure then another one joined them all of a sudden there were six sevens in the back of the bus learning Gemara while the bus going to Jerusalem so then this rabbi was such a polite person with good manners and he saw that so many people in the bus are trying to hear he said it's an opportunity, I'll teach the whole bus why only six can you teach sixty and the driver is not religious. So he came to the driver, told the driver, you know, with your permission, would you allow me to stand in front of the bus and give a shiur to the people here? I see there's a lot of people are interested. And only if you agree, if you won't bother you. Spoke to him, he gave him so much respect. So the guy the guy, the driver, he felt that he has to agree. So he told him, Yeah, no problem, of course. And then there's a microphone. You know, in the bus, they have a microphone. So, you can even have my microphone, you don't have to scream. It's a long bus. I gave him the microphone, he started to teach. He started to teach, and now there are a few not religious people. They see it's very interesting, the Gemara. They never saw what Gemara is. So, they're starting to ask questions. Oh, Mamash, the bus became a yeshiva. Every day, the same people, yeshiva, hour. Then one of them that is not religious started to talk to the rabbi after the guide of the bus. And then they found out... Then they found out... That he's a grand-grand-grandson, seventh generation, direct from the Vilna Gaon. The grandfather of his grandfather was the Gaon Mi-Vilna. <laughs> and he's not religious. When that rabbi heard such a thing, he said, I don't have a choice. I have to stick to him until I make him religious... Long story short, Baruch Hashem, made him religious, and the schut. This whole thing happened. Why? Why did it happen? Because he came and spoke to the bus driver in such a nice way, and then, then what we see when you're nice with people, you get a lot more. When you are arrogant, you know, or when you tough, or you play, you know, a hero, it's much better to come and surrender and speak in a nice way. The people would appreciate much more. Anyway, so we continue. So the schut, it's really the parents. And that's what helped them to have the merit to become religious. Then, Mishnah Gimel, the third Mishnah in this says, be careful with the authorities. The authorities don't care about the public. They only care about themselves. It should have been that they worry about the public. What can we do to make the life of the citizen better? But that's not the case. They want to get power. They want to be in control of the people. They want to decide what to do. Of course, some of them steal a lot of money. They steal a lot of money. Most of the taxes doesn't go to the authorities. In case you think that you're a good citizen and your taxes are being used properly I assure you that about 80-90% of them goes to the people's pocket you know one time one time the king made a, a king somewhere in Europe made a meeting with all his advisors all the ministers, one of them was a Jew Rabbi the king says I don't understand we charge so much taxes and we always broke cannot pay for anything what's going on here so the Jew said, hold on, your majesty, one second. He went. He brought a piece of ice from the kitchen, you know, a piece of ice. And they and he were sitting in a, in a circle. So the, let's say there's about 30 people between the Jew and the king. So the Jew said to the one next to him, please transfer it to, to the king. So they transferred it from one hand to another. So once he got to the king, <laughs> that's a tiny piece of ice. So the king said, what's this? so remember how it was but when he went to him he took some of it (laughs) and then to him (laughs) so the king said let's talk outside so he said are you saying that they steal the money all these people in charge he said what do you think until it gets to the cause most of it goes down somebody's pocket that's what it is so he he says not only it's better not to deal with them don't ask from them anything it's better that they won't have you in their system. If they have you in their system, believe me, one day you'll pay for it. Just don't start with them. Make sure that you adjust your mind to, to think like a shame thing. Which means, every person has wishes. One guy wished to be a lawyer. One guy wished to be a doctor, one guy wished to get married, one guy wished to go to China on vacation. Everyone has a dream in his life. One, she wants to be a model, he wants to be a baseball player. Everyone has a wish. Make a wish. So the Mishnah says, make sure that your wishes are Hashem wishes. What do you think Hashem wishes for you? That you go to learn Torah. That you get married with a kosher woman. That you do all the positive things. Make sure that when you wish something, it's going to be approved by Hashem. Don't wish the opposite things. And if you're going to do that, Hashem will make His wishes like your wishes, measure for measure, which means tomorrow you want to be rich. It's not so necessary. But since you wish all the things that Hashem wished, spiritually, so physically you will wish what you wish. You want a nice car, finally you're tired of your car, so Hashem will help you to get it against against common sense, against logic. But tell When you have a wish that it's against these, make sure you cancel it. Don't be stubborn. If somebody tells you what you wanna do, this business you wanna open, it's not kosher. Bye but I made a deposit already, this what, who cares? Your problem, you made a deposit. But it's not a kosher business. Shem is not going to be happy with this. Yeah, but you know, I'm embarrassed, the landlord's going to get angry, you know, I promise you. Ah! If you're going to do it, if you sacrifice, Hashem will cancel the wishes of others to yours. When you have arguments with people, with partners, with your children, with, who knows, everyone has delegations with others. They will surrender to you. Same thing same way you surrender to Hashem. Don't be a stuck up person. They're not my style, these people. Why are you there? I don't feel comfortable around them. He comes to a party. Ah, Let's leave. These people are not for us. Or, when the public volunteers to do something, let's say they want to make a road, like they used to do in the old days, they used to volunteer to move the rocks. Don't hide. Come also to help. When the rabbi calls everyone on Tuesday to come to pray for somebody that is in jail, or for someone that is sick, or they retail him together, don't hide. Participate. Why? If you're not participating with the tzibur, one way or the other, you will pay the price. You know, there was one Keilah, one, one community, with full of religious people. And one uh, not-religious person came from Israel to stay there. And all Shabbat, the owner of the house was begging him, showing him, trying to make him religious. It didn't help. It's not interested to hear. On the way to the bus... There was two ways to go to the bus. One to drive three minutes, and one to walk ten minutes. So the wife said, okay, no, take them to the bus. They have in 15 minutes, they have in 20 minutes, they have a bus. So he said, I'm, I'm walking with them. So the wife said, why? Take them with the car. what to walk now. He said, no, I want to walk through that shul. Because it's Saturday night. That shul has a minag, they read him, all the guys, the 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 kids, the women, everybody comes and read teilim. Why why this, because they want somebody is sick over there. So the whole community, every Mozi Shabbos, they gather together and they pray for him. I want him to hear the voice of the teilim. Maybe something will it will do something to him. So as the pass through the shul, hears hear loud noise coming from the windows, from the doors. So he asks the host, What's this noise? Something happened? He says, one yeah, one Jew is sick. So he says, so what's this noise? He said that 300 people came to pray for him, that he will be healthy. So the guy said, what? That's what they have to do on Saturday night? We go to the disco. What is this? He said, no, this, this is mean. Brothers. He said, can I take a look? He said, yeah, yeah. He what do you mean? you see how everyone's praying. Such loud things. He said, you want to tell me all these people pray for one Jew? So yeah, and some of them don't even know him. They don't know him. The rabbi asked, they come and they come. He say, "You know what? This is better than all the things you told me today." Two months later, he became fanatic, this guy. That's it was enough for him to see what's the Torah is. You don't know what's going to do it. Sometimes it's logic, sometimes it's proof, sometimes it's touching his heart. Uh, you know, everyone has his own cue. Then the Torah continues. Don't judge a person until you be in his situation. Why? Sometimes you think, look what this guy is doing, look what he did. How do you know? If you would be in his situation, maybe you would do a lot more worse. Let's say they heard somebody stole money. They don't know the whole story. Maybe the mafia is threatening him to kill him. Maybe he owe money and now they send him gangster with a gun. You have 48 hours to get the money. So he ended up going to the shul and steal money until one day he will return it back. How do you know? Maybe you saw somebody driving on Shabbat. Maybe, maybe he has a, a pikuach nefesh, life risk. So many maybe, maybe, you don't know. Don't judge a person. Plus, there's another problem. That even if the person is guilty, you don't have anything to judge him favorably. Nothing. But you still don't know the difficulty of his test. What's easy for you, it's much harder for him. What's hard for you, it's easy for him. You may see him, eh, look at this guy, can't get rid of his jeans. What's going on over there? Ten years he's learning Torah every day and still walking with the jeans like a goy? Embarrassment, bushah, get dressed like a Jew. How do you know? Maybe for him it's harder than to keep Shabbos. For you, after two minutes, you got rid of the jeans. But for him, his very strong desire to look like a goy. Because that's what he was in his previous life. So that's why it's still hard for him. For you, it wasn't a case. You don't have desires for jeans. You don't. Why? You died correcting the way you dressed. Now you don't have desire to dress like a goy. You always wanted to dress like a Jew, like respectfully, a hat, big yamaka, whatever the, the outfit may be in that place. Yes. You said it was hard playing in previous life, maybe in the past? You said it's hard playing since the previous life. No. Is that the previous life, or life, or this past? I don't maybe. understand what you say. Okay. <laughs> and we continue. So it says like this. Don't believe in yourself until the day you die. Why? sometimes people were religious almost all their life and in the last minute they left everything it happened, believe it or not it's possible, even though usually when a person lives most of his life religious, the chance that he would live religion is very very small once the majority of his life let's say he's supposed to live 70 years and more than 35 years is, is religious he has a special protection to die religious, but to die religious is different levels don't believe in yourself. Just when you think, oh, this sin will never bother me. I'll never touch it. It can be the last day of your life. You still have desire and you wound it, and you do it. So a person should not think, I never did it. It's guaranteed. I will be righteous forever. No. So don't put yourself in a place of a test. Don't say to people something that is too much for their level. Only say to them what they are capable of understanding and listening. You don't come to Chiloni on the street that he doesn't even have an idea what he lives for. He eats everything that moves. And now you come to him and you talk to him about Chalav Israel. Come on, talk to him about stop stealing, about leaving Christine, in a nice way. Why are you talking to him about Chalav Israel? You understand what it is, Bichlal? <laughs> talk to him about black hats. Hey, Itzik, come look what a hat I bought for you what what 's this it 's not in this level also also a person that is uh, is very stingy, very stingy it 's cheap, very cheap you don 't know you know this person is sick, he cannot give a penny for tzedakah. so what 's the point you 're talking to him about the big tzedakah. Uh, you know it 's not going to help yeah you, ha- you have to only tell people what they are sometimes the people in such low level that you cannot talk to them in Shabbos about muktze. they touching muktze, they don't know that they make a sin. So if you tell them now, now it's going to be on purpose. Until now they have no idea what it is. They touch it, they move it, they pick up a stone, they walk with that, they don't know stone is muktze, and never went to yeshiva. So you have to think twice, when do you tell what? Because sometimes this person is not going to take you serious. You know, one Rebbe, he came with his gabai. He came with his gabai to a house of a banker. They walk in, they walk into the house, and the rabbi come and sit on a chair, and doesn't say a word, nothing. So the gabai didn't know. The gabai just walk, follow him. The guy, so the banker got nervous. Why this big graph come and sit in my living room and doesn't say a word? So they comes to him, rabbi, can I help you? The rabbi sits like this, doesn't make a beep. He comes to the Gabbai, he takes him to the kitchen. He says, tell me, what's going on here? Do you know anything? He said, no, I don't know. He didn't tell me why he came here. So he said to him, I don't know what. After half an hour, this banker came back to the the rabbi and said, Rabbi, I'm sorry, I can't take this anymore. Tell me what's going on here. So the rabbi said, I can't tell you what I want to tell you. So he said, why? For so Anyway, he won't listen. I know he won't listen, so what's the point of telling you this? So the rich guy says to him, so in that case, why you came here to begin with? Because it says like this, I wanted to tell you something when I was in my house. When I'm in my house, I cannot tell it to you. The Mishnah say that when you see a person and you want to tell him something, if you know he won't accept it for sure, don't tell him. Now, if I was in my house, anyway I cannot tell you, so I cannot do this mitzvah. So now I came to be next to you, that I see you and I can tell you, but I won't tell you. <laughs> this guy go crazy. I said, Rabbi, trust me, it will be fine, tell me. He said, no, I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. No, no, tell me. That's called uh, reverse psychology. So he says, I heard that in two days you're taking that house to an auction. There's a Jewish widow with kids over there. Her husband died. They don't pay you the mortgage. And you're about to sell the house and throw her to the street. How could I sleep at night? So I came to you to tell you to leave her alone. So he told him, Rabbi, you have to be serious. I'm not the only owner of the bank. I have partners, stockholders they owe 200,000, what do you think I can let her go with that so the rabbi said, you see I told you you won't listen he said to the rabbi, ok, let's go and the last minute before the auction, they cancel it he let her stay there it bothered him, it bothered his conscience and the widow got saved you see the rabbis in the previous generation, when they heard such a thing it bothered them They went to do something about it. That's how it used to be. Then it says like this. Don't ever say, later I will learn Torah. Rabbi, after I get married, you see how every day I learn Torah. Right now, it's hard for me. And when I will make money, I'll have time, I retired and I learn Torah. When I'll be healthy, I will learn Torah. When I'll move to Israel, I'll be able to learn. When my Rebbe will come back, I will learn. A lot of stories and balonies. Somebody that say, one day I will learn, for sure, will never be able to learn. Why? When you had it in your hand, you didn't learn, Hashem won't give you the chance to learn. Ah, I promise you, when i retire, what what will I do at that time? What? What am I going to sit all day by the lake, catching fish? What? I'm going to have time to learn. You wait and see. When you go on pension, you're going to go to the old age club, they play piano for you, they bring a clown, they take you all to the spa a little bit. You won't learn. You won't learn. <laughs> you won't learn. Don't say, when I have time I will learn. Shema Now you have Siat HaDishmaye to learn. What are you waiting for another ten years? Right now, the Rambam say, a person that a minute before he dies, a minute is connected to machines already. He still have an obligation to learn Torah every day. A person that knocks on doors begging for bread for his children still must learn Torah every day. A person that has leprosy, all his body is wounded with all kinds of pus and itching, is going crazy, he still have to learn Torah. No one is dismissed from it, no one. It's the main purpose of life. If a Jew doesn't do it, what's the point of living? And Burya No ignorant Ever fearing From the sins Ignorants not afraid to make sins They make the sins and they light a cigarette And enjoy it A minute after No problem Or when Shabbat when he lights the cigarette He enjoys the cigarette, it doesn't bother him Right now every second I lose my eternity For this lousy cigarette Not talking about his health Health big deal Five years more, five years less Anyway, life is a blink of the eye. And Bur Yerechet. You will never find someone that is not educated in Torah that is fearful from Hashem and from the sins. No. Velo Ama'aretz Chasid. And Ama'aretz. What's the difference between Bur and Amaret? Bur and Amaret. What's the difference? Both of them are ignorant, they do not know anything. But Amaret is a person that has good midot. He doesn't know anything in Torah, but he's polite, he has manners, he won't uh, do bad things in the table when they eat, but the burr is arrogant, don't know Torah, nothing. So before we say, and Bur can care less about the Torah and the punishments, he doesn't care what's going on. Amaretz, he has he has good manners already, naturally, he was born like this. He doesn't need Musar to make him a good person. Some people are born good, because they died good in their previous life. They have different tests in their life, not to correct their personality. With that they're already okay. They have other things, maybe it's charity, maybe Torah, maybe other things. Or maybe to get married, maybe to, you know. So, that's since they already have good manners, so they don't say, like they say with the boor, Yerechet, because these people are naturally have good manners. Lo Ma'aretz Chasid. Chasid means a level of it's a person that it's above average, which means this is an average of the righteous people, is even higher than them. Madrigat chasidut. It's very important. Veloa Bahishan lamed. someone who sits in a class and is embarrassed to ask questions will never learn. Don't hesitate. Send your questions. Kapdan And someone that is very strict and very angry cannot be a teacher. Why? Well, he doesn't have patience to the kids or to the people. He screams at them. You fool! What are you asking? How many times you ask the same questions? He goes crazy. You know. You have kids. You have teachers like this in Yeshivot yes. That's why some of the kids go off the derech because of them. Or he tells him. Look at you, you cannot walk through the door. How much, how much pizza you eat? <laughs> <laughs> and this little kid, from that moment on, loses his life because of him. I'm telling you, you have no idea what they do. So not everyone can be a Rebbe. Or do you think it's easy to be a Rebbe? You know, to, today, if you come to a big Chacham, and you tell him to come be a Rebbe in yeshiva for kids, they laugh at you. You're insulting me. In the old generation, who taught the kids? The biggest hachamim. They didn't feel insulted to kid to teach 10, 11 or 12 years old. It was an honor for them because they knew this is the future of the nation of Israel. Today, who do they send to teach kids? Think people that themselves hardly know anything. Why? Kids, kids. What kids? Kids is everything. This is planting the seed in the ground. It's the most important thing. It became the other way around. Instead of taking the best rabbi and sending him to teach the kids, they take the beginners. And that's why the generation looks the way he is. Then he saw one time a skeleton floating on water. And he says to the skeleton in Arabic, At de ataf atfuch vesof What is it? Translation. He says like this, you drown someone, and someone drown you, and those who drown you will be drowned, which means everything is measure for measure. Your tooth broke, you probably broke somebody's tooth or laughed at somebody that broke his tooth. That's why 20 years later it happens to you. You understand? Uh, One rabbi was very, very good rabbi, and his house was open for all the poor people all the time, taking care of them, feeding them, and he's very, very sensitive to the people, not to offend anyone. One time, in the middle of his Motzei Shabbos lecture, you know, he, he has a table on a stage, when he stands and speaks to all his community, they see that he has. A poor person, sitting next to him on the table. Dressed there, everything ripped. Horrible the way he looks, the old man. I mean, the, the poor man. So now the whole community is dying to know what's special today. What's special today that uh, the rabbi brought this poor man to sit on a stage in front of the whole crowd. They cannot even listen to his lecture because of their curiosity. By the end of the lecture, they came to the rabbi, Rabbi, who is this man? And, and forget who he is, why you put him on the stage? So the rabbi told him, when I was a kid, I had three brothers, until today I have three brothers, and my parents sent all of us to strict yeshivot, to learn Torah. And we had, my parents had a friend, also religious, that was screaming at my father and my mother, you fool, you primitive. Why don't you send your kids to college? What's going to come out of them? Learning Gemara, Gemara all day, Gemara, fanatic, crazy. Learn something, be a doctor, be be something. Go to the college. You don't have a degree? Who's going to marry him? You know how the fools talk. You hear it a lot so my parents say no we go by what Hashem told us not what you say, Hashem say to learn Torah we'll learn Torah, they'll be poor, they'll be poor nobody dies from being poor it's a little bit less convenience, don't worry so you know who this poor man is he's the son of this person this person has few kids all of them homeless the ones that he send his kids to good school to, to colleges and me, and my three brothers, each one of us, Af Bedin, the head of the Jewish court, we made a very good salary. Everything we need, we get for free. We have our homes. We have our community. We're very famous. Everything a person could ask for, we have. We never went to college, but we were very successful, all of us, in everything we did. And you see this poor man? I knew you are going to ask me after the lecture who he is. And I knew that it's worth it for me to tell you this story more than the whole lecture. That you understand that in the end, the Baruch Hu gives everyone what they deserve. Sooner or later, it's all. It's People that are addicted to food. Did you ever... Oh, oh, What's happened? No, no, I'm in Kaveh. It's recording? Yeah, all right. All right. No. It says, Maraveh Basar, Maraveh Rima. You ever saw, uh, see what happened in a wedding when they bring the ice cream and the cakes in the end? 500 people shift to the left. <laughs> all of a sudden, everyone... Died. What's the big deal? Feel ice cream. Ah, control yourself. What, are you a dog? So how a dog excited how he moves his tail? And the, and the saliva is dripping from his mouth? What's going on? Ah, what the water on. Give me, give me five pieces. Nobody see. <laughs> you know, two guys came, two guys came for, for Shabbos to family, one of them is a, a lowlife and one of them is an intelligent guy. <laughs> so try to imagine the scenario. One of them is sleazy and the other one is so polite, you know. Handkerchief, clean his mouth. You know? so, so there's two pieces of chicken in a plate. One big and one small. And they, they're thinking which one will take what. So the intelligent he doesn't want to take until the sleazy will take. So the sleazy takes his fork, stick it to the big piece, grab it like this, put it in his plate. So the intelligent guy says, he's such an arrogant person. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you take the small one? Why do you have to take the big piece? So he say, what's the problem? What's the problem? What would you do if, instead of me? If you, would be, if you would be me, what would you do? He said, I would take the small piece. <laughs> so here it is, take it. <laughs> what do you want? You want it, here you got it. <laughs> he doesn't even understand what's wrong about what he does. So anyway, marbe basar, marbe The father you are in the time of death, the more you're going to suffer. Because it takes longer to the worms to finish eating the body (laughs) and the soul. (laughs) For sure we're going on a diet tomorrow. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what the Kabbalah says. (laughs) No? Marben Hashim. Person that has too many ladies in his life (laughs) Marbek Shafim all kinds of curses comes on him (laughs) Marbek Shafot people this is, remember, this is this was written 2,000 years ago Uh, this was written 2,000 years ago Why did Shulamu had? This was written 2,000 years ago, which means people used to own slaves. People used to own slaves. And because they used to own slaves, slaves don't have that much rights. Like, he, con- he controlled all his things, the slaves. And that brings a lot of prostitution too many slaves eventually you become a thief why? because they touch all kinds of things that don't belong to them they don't care and everything they take and bring home actually you own them so it's like your property is going and stealing from you Marbe Torah Marbe Chaim someone who has a lot of Torah his life is great he has a lot of good life Marbeh Yeshiva, Marbeh sitting in Yeshiva, getting a lot of wisdom. Marbeh Marbeh What does it mean, Marbeh Not You don't count only on yourself. You have an advisor. You have a big rav. He advises you what to do. I want to buy, I want to sell, I want to do this, I want to marry this girl. Should I marry? Somebody left me a message yesterday. One guy from, I think, from Queens that is getting married tonight. He's getting married tonight. I don't have that much time ever to go to weddings, but the message was that I was about to marry a girl uh, last year, and you told me not to marry her. And it was difficult, but I listened to you, and I'm getting married to a girl that is a million times better now. You understand? So advice is important. He would end up with the other one, probably by now will would be divorced already. He would call me for his divorce today, not for his wedding. <laughs> you understand? So not counting on himself, asking advice from smart rabbis, holy rabbis, etc. Then, marbet tzedakah, marbet shalom. The more tzedakah he gives, he gets peace. Why? Because the pasuk says, In Yeshaya, which means people love him. Even people who want to fight with him, they hold themselves, because they know he's famous of giving a lot of tzedako this guy. Let's not mess with him. Why? People have sympathy for him. So automatically, people have less incentive to fight with him. Could be that they don't know also, and they still don't cry. They don't know what? That he gives tzedako. If they don't know, they don't know. But in Shamaim, it's mainly from Shamaim they, they set it up like this that from Shamaim HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu prevent you know the, 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 the Tanakh says this is what it says, it says When HaShem is satisfied from a Jew all his enemies are anxious to make peace with him. Who are, who are his enemies, his own family members, the kids that are giving him hard time, the brothers, the parents, the sisters, the in-laws, all the surroundings, sometimes they make more damage than the biggest enemies. And not only that, the bugs, even the mosquitoes, the bugs, when Hashem is satisfied for you, they don't have permission to bite you. That's how That's how far it goes. So it means, it's all about but you are. if Hashem is happy from you He saves you from a lot of things Kana lo divre Torah sorry Kana Hashem Tov if He made Himself a good reputation He's very positive Kana lo divre Torah now He has full knowledge in Torah He got a ticket to the life of eternity Chaye HaOlam HaBaah Rabban Yochanan zakai received from Hillel and Shammai Hillel and Shammai was the two big yeshivot at that time the President of Israel came later, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the Gmaraz, says that uh, Hillel Azaken had 80 students. The greatest one... There's uh, nothing we can do. Uh, he had 80 students. 80 students. The biggest one was Yonatan ben Uziel, That was learning Torah. Every bird was falling above him burning. Every bird that flew above him was burning and falling down. Then, the smallest one out of all of them was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the president of Israel in the time of the destruction of the second temple. And if you say the smallest, come and see how much he knew. The Gemara says he knew the language of all the angels. He knew the language of all the animals. He knew the language of all the trees, all the rivers, everything in the creation, he knew their languages. And he was the smallest student of AD that Hillel Zaken had, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. And he was saying, if you learned a lot of Torah, don't hold too much credit that that created you to begin with. So if you know so much Torah, don't feel like a big shot. You just did what you had to do anyway. Like if a worker comes to the store, he gets $10 an hour on his job to clean. When he cleans, what does he feel? Oh, look at me. I, you did what you get paid for. What, what did I do? Thanks to me the store is clean. He paid. That's it. So Hashem put you here to learn Torah. You did what you have to do. not too much credit for it. If you did something you were not obligated to do, no, now you deserve maybe more credit. Something you were created for. In their level it was simple. For us, I wish, I wish, we would take credit for it, as long as we learn. That's the most important thing. Five students he had, Rabbi Ochanan ben Zakai, and those are the ones, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurcanus, Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania, Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Shimon ben Netaned and Rabbi Elazar ben Arach he used to praise them each one of them Rabbi Eliezer ben Orkanus bor sud she'enu which means he's like a hole in the ground like a well that is covered very good and does not lose one drop of water that means, you know, it's a compliment that everything here, he never forgets anything Rabbi Yehoshua Ashre Yoladeto. He's so great, the whole, the whole world praising his mother, everywhere she goes, that he has, she has such a son. Then, some says in Egmara, that his mother used to take his crib to the yeshiva, that he would grow up hearing Torah from day zero. From the moment he was born, every day she puts him there, to hear Torah, Torah, Torah. That's why they say, How lucky is this mother? Rabbi is he said, chassid. What's Hasid? Not like today. Or too much chulent on Shabbos. All right, Shabbos, we have to enjoy on a Shabbat. That's not Hasid. Or those who go on 42nd Street in the dirty stores to take something. Aikar, they have long peos all day like this. What is this? Hasid means someone that is above average. Whether he has a fair hat, whether he doesn't. Whether he wears these coats, or whether he has peot, or doesn't have peot, or, or his beard is short or long, it doesn't matter. It goes by the actions, not by the look. The last parasha we read about Shimshon. Shimson the prophet, Samson. What was his uh, father's name? Manoach. Manoach. What's his mother's name? Slalphonit. That's her name. It doesn't appear in the Aphtara, but I'll tell you the secret. Her name is Tzlalfonit. An angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a son. It's like a monk, Nazir. Special, holy, from birth. When when, When her husband came, Manoach, She told him, I saw a holy man. The messenger of God came to me and he told me we're going to have a kid. Ask, how did she know he's a holy man? He came and spoke to her, a man spoke to you. By speaking to a man, you know if he's holy or not, two, three sentences. How did she know he's holy? Why do, what do we learn from the question of the Gemara? What do we learn? If the beard and the size of the hat and the, the coat would determine if you're holy or not, in that case, what the Gemara is asking? The answer is, she saw his beard and his beautiful hat and she knows that he's holy. But from the question of the Gemara, we see that the image of the person doesn't make you holy. The Indians in India have a very white beard, like a snow. You know? And you know what they do with that? They sweep the floor next to Buddha every morning with their beard. They go like this and sweep the floor. Yeah. And they don't take a shower for five years. Did you ever take a yellow cab in Manhattan with one of them? You deserve a Nobel Prize winner. <laughs> and when you ask them why you don't take a shower, they say, the body is holy. What's the difference between a Jew to an Indian? You know the Hebrew alphabet? How do you write a Jew? Yehudi. Yud, hey, Vav Daled Yud. How do you write Indian Hodi? Hey, Vav Daled Yud. What's the difference between Yehudi and Hodi? Ye-hud. Only one little letter, the Yud. Once you take the Yud out of the Yehudi, the yud is a Shem. You take the youth out, you become Odi. You understand? Now that's why a lot of Israelis go to Goa, to India, to lay down on the beach and smoke their tsingele all day. Bye right, look at the sun here. If that's what Hashem wanted from you, we'll make you a chimpanzee or the lion in a bronze zoo. Why I needs you over there to come to lay in the sun? I love the sun. I love the sun. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, later. Then sh- it says like this: Rabban Shimon ben Netanel Yerechet, fear from the sins. He's fearing the sins. What does it mean, fearing the sin? Even the things that is allowed, he's scared to do. Obviously, the things that is not allowed. Why? Because he's afraid maybe he would lead me to a sin. So I'm careful. I'm careful. I'm not going to that place. You know why? If I'll be there, there's a chance. That's why I don't want to go there. The Gemara says if a person has two ways in front of him, one is short, shortcut, full of women, not modest women on the streets. And one is long, clean, no women there. And he went through the shortcut, closed his eyes, and did not look at one of the ladies. Watch his eyes completely. He What? And did not make a scene. Somebody like this today, right away become the chief rabbi of Queens. No, I followed that rabbi to see if he's going to look at the ladies. I followed. But he didn't know. And he walked that street. Believe me, he didn't look. He went like this with his uh, face, uh, hand on his face. Uh, everybody will make a line. Rabbi, I heard that you're holy man. Give me a bracha, please. What does the Gemara say? Somebody that did it is a rasha, wicked. Why is wicked? He watches his eyes, he's wicked. Not for that. For that he deserves He's going to get a reward for that, for not watching them, for sure. You get a reward for everything good you do. Why is rasha? That you had the nerve to walk into that block, risking risking the chance that you're going to make one of the worst scenes looking at the not modest ladies all these prostitutes over there just risking even though you did not commit a scene but taking a risk maybe it will happen that shows you don't have irat mind. you don't have iracha mind. if a person has a shortcut his mind feel there's bombs under the ground and he went through and did not explode he's a genius or he's a fool my cousin once told me that when he was in the army he was a commander and one time they drove a jeep and they entered a special place in Lebanon and then somebody that saw them from the mountain called them on the, on the walkie talkie and said stop the jeep shh excuse me, excuse me. please it's not mehunach to talk on the phone in the middle of the lecture. It's not supposed to be. I'm sorry. It says like this. It says like this. He got a walkie-talkie, and the walkie-talkie, they scream, Stop the jeep! Stop the jeep! They stop the jeep. You are surrounded by bombs. It's under the ground. It's a mokshim, minefield. So he said that the, the fear was so... Great, that he made in his pants. A person cannot control it. was under fear. Only later he saw when they did, when they got them out of there, the helicopter came and picked them up in the air. He realized that he's all wet. When a person is afraid of something, you understand this is the first time he realized what fear is. He didn't want to make one more step. Who who wants to take a risk? Another inch can go on fire. Boom was afraid of the of the of Hashem there to be Michal El Shabbat when people are Michal al Shabbat let's say they by mistake the light on how long does it take them to go back and smile and dance? How long? After they if a second or two they feel bad. No, three, four, five seconds, ten seconds, ten, twenty seconds, somebody Come, let's uh, let's eat together. Oh, that jokes, ma! Just a minute ago, you made a big scene. Just a minute later, it doesn't bother him. This is what's going on when you have no irat shamayim. Rabbi is the fifth one, Maayan it's like a spring water that keeps getting stronger and stronger by the minute. Maayan He must how to go to the bottom of theé- most people in the world. They don't have a deep on top of this. Nothing is tied to the root of the problem. They don't understand when they see a problem. They don't. Understand. Think that they understand in their life and everything that they do, like, means, yeah, from the outside only. The inside is very rotten, but from the outside, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman, dancing in the street, let's go to Uman, Kadima. What is this nonsense? Kind of work on your inside. What is all this show of long beard, pearls like this flying in the wind? wearing special weird clothes everywhere they go, they behave weird what for? it's all outside it's It's external a a Jew is not determined by his outside behaving, it's the inside who you are it's all a show, trust me when I tell you you have to be very clever to know which one is real and which one is a show and most people, like I always said they get fooled by the outside look we have in uh, in the upstate one guy who has a very long white beard and he walks with a hats of rabbis, special Rosh Yeshiva hat, and is the biggest thief I ever saw in my life. <laughs> Every week he has a new victim. A new victim. He takes $20,000 from this guy. Fooling him, the money is gone. Goes to somebody, another naive guy, takes 27000 the money is gone. Go here, the money is gone. So somebody asked me, so if he's such a crook, why is he going with a beard like this? Go, Bichiloni, take your yamaka off. You don't need a beard. You can do whatever you want. What? It's a burden. Tell him, you fool. The beard is his business card. <laughs> Who would give him money without his beard? He takes advantage and stupidity of the people. that That's why they count on him. They see the hat and the beard. Oh, Rabbi, I saw a holy man. You got it? So they give him the money. And then everybody screams, how oh, the religious people are like this? How they decide they're religious? Because they have uh, two dollars on their head. Now, the Arabs don't have yamaka. They have. You know how many na- nations have something on their head? Many different religions. And the beard. In the old days, everyone had a bill. A person is what you are inside, not what you are from the outside. And then... Before we finished, this is what he says. If you take all the chachamim of Israel, all the rabbis of the generation, and you put them on one side of the scale, and you take him, Rabbi Eliezer ben Orkanus, and put him in the other side, he takes all of them together in his level. Rabbi Eliezer ben Orkanus. Abba Shaul says in his name, if you take all the chachamim of Israel, and Rabbi Eliezer ben Orkanus, you move them to their side until now he was on the other side. Now you take him and put him also with them together. And you put Rabbi El is he's a different Rabbi El Azar, in the other side. He's greater than all of them. So just that you imagine who was he? Who was he? Yeah. Then so last. How did she know how holy is? <coughs> like how did she know? So the. I'm saying because of the Gemara ask, how did she know? That means it's not from the look. How how did she know? It's a good question. I don't know how she knew, but She felt, maybe. You cannot feel that things. But the Gemara only asked the question how did she know, which means the beard and this did not tell anything, because otherwise the Gemara wouldn't ask the question. What do you mean? She saw by the outside. You understand? To Ezei derech yeshara. Follow the right way that a person should walk through. Rabbi Eliezer said, "Ain Tova," a person that has good eye, which means never make evil eye to people, not jealous, generous, bal Chesed, positive, looking at positive at people, not negative. Rabbi Yoshua said, "Good friend, good friend is good friend can be better than a brother. You have a brother in LA, and a good friend across the street is much more significant to your life than your brother that is on the other side of the ocean. Rabbi Yossi said, Good neighbor is even better than a good friend. In time of emergency, he, he can be the, only, the one that, uh, plus you see him all the time. Rabbi Shimon says, Aroet Someone that can break, predict the future. Not because he's a prophet. Not because of that. Why? because he see where are we heading to he's clever, he always see if this person does this and this and this I won't be surprised next week I get a phone call from the police to come release him on bail see already where it's going see or if he makes certain scenes or the way he behaves you know what's going to be or if you go to a certain place and you see what the rabbi is doing there you know that by the next month he won't be there why? you see, if you're clever you see where things are going to Rabbi el Azar says lev Tov, good heart, pure good. I see the words of Rabbi El Azar ben Rabbi El-Azar ben Arach that all your things include in his, which what did we just say? That when he say good heart, it's includes all the other fives together. When you have good heart, you have good eye when your heart is functioning Everywhere the Torah is speaking about wisdom The Torah does not speak about brain The Torah is speaking about Chacham Lev The wisdom that Hashem is, is praising is wisdom in the heart, not in a head If you know math, you don't deserve any credit If you know uh, medicine, you don't deserve any credit Why Chacham Lev? If your wisdom settles in your heart and overcome your desires and your temptations, then, uh, then you are considered hacham. If it's not translated into good actions, who cares about your wisdom and knowledge? It's worthless. It's worthless. It's like writing a beautiful article and not pressing send. Three days he sits and writes beautiful article, he has to send it to the newspaper, he forgot to press <laughs> send. It doesn't go to the heart. It's the same corrupted person. You know these doctors that give seminars to quit smoking? And just when the lesson finished, you see them in the hallway smoking? Yeah, you have people like this. That's what the Torah said, Na'ed oresh na'em When you come to give a speech, make sure you're living according to what you say. Because one picture equals like a thousand words. You can say beautiful thousand words. Everyone is convinced. Tomorrow they see you doing the opposite of what you preach. <laughs> All the thousand words were dismissed. <laughs> what is the bad way that a person has to stay away from? One Bad friend. Rabbi Yoshua said bad friend. Stay from bad friends. They will drown you in hell with their bad ways. Rabbi Yossi says, Shachenra, dead neighbors, he destroy your life. Everything he hears, we go, he says about you, what you do, what you spoke to your wife, what you do to your kids, everything he hears and he says. Rabbi Shimon says, Aloveve, Venom, Hashem, person does, borrow and does not return the loans. Whether he's borrowing from a person, it's count like he's borrowing from Hashem and didn't pay. Shene Emar. Well how we learn it from Teilim, lover rasha ve lo lover rasha ve Someone who borrow and do not pay back is considered rasha, wicked. Ve honen venoten. and the tzadik is generous. He gives out. Rabbi Azar say levra, bad heart, evil heart. Amar lahem, I see the words of Rabbi Azar ben Arach that it includes everything you said in his words. So the bottom line, the conclusion and we'll finish with that is good heart and bad heart it's everything. Good heart includes in it many things generosity, mercy the, so many things and bad heart is just the opposite his narrow eyes his jealousy, his his arrogance, his anger it all comes from the heart the source of everything. That's why the Torah always prays the heart, the heart. And what we say in a prayer, when we do Birkat what do we say seven times? Lev taror, berali elokim, b'eruach nachon, chadesh bekirbi. Hashem, please renew my heart, make me a new heart, and bring into me a new spirit. So what does it mean create a new heart to me? Some people do not do not know how to read Hebrew, so this is how they say it: Lev tahor Barali Elokim. They say it. What's the difference between Bara and Berah with Shva? Bara means once in the past, Hashem created to me a new heart. That means the heart is not here anymore; it used to be. But here it's a request. Berali, create to me, not created. The big difference. Big difference between the Kamatz and the shva. It changed the entire meaning of the word. You have to be careful. You have to say, Create to me, Hashem. I'm begging you. And this is what the Navi says. The Navi Hezkel and other Navi, other prophets. It says that in that day, Hashem promised that He will create to us a heart of flesh. Soft, good. Observing the good. Not a heart of stone like we have. It will replace the heart of stone that we have from all the sins with a with new, soft, nice heart. It's an expression. It's metaphoric. So we'll finish here. Baruch Hashem, we did ten Mishnayot today. At Shivalat, and we'll continue with Zrat Hashem next Monday. Thank you very much again. Yes, Any question before we finish? Anything? Thank you very much. Good night.